Welcome to The Penny Drops, the Royal London podcast series simplifying finance to help more people, like you, make better informed money decisions. Each episode, Andrea Fox grills a guest to get the best tips on issues such as savings, pensions, budgeting, debt, family finance, marriage and retirement. She's finding the answers we're looking for and getting expert tips that you can put into action. Royal London recommends you seek professional independent financial advice before making financial decisions. All views and opinions expressed are those of the guest and not of Royal London. Hello, I'm Andrea Fox, a journalist and broadcaster and the host of The Penny Drops with Royal London, where I speak to the best financial experts out there. This episode was recorded for you whilst we're all maintaining social distance due to coronavirus, so please do forgive any issues with audio quality. But this episode is a bonus recording, something for everyone, especially if you're missing sport currently. I'm joined by two sporting champions who, for cricket fans, I'm sure will need no introduction, but... I'm going to introduce them anyway. Ebony Rainford-Brent and Johnny Bairstow join us in a bonus episode as an official part of Royal London's title sponsorship of One Day International Cricket. I'll be talking about their careers in sport and keeping healthy during the coronavirus outbreak. Ebony Rainford-Brent is a former Surrey captain and former England's women's cricketer and a World Cup winner. Ebony, thank you for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me. Looking forward to it, especially during lockdown. It's always fun to do something new. Good. Thank you so much for joining us. Also on the line today, a Yorkshire and England cricketer and, let me check my notes here a second. Oh yes, another World Cup winner, part of the 2019 winning team, Johnny Bairstow. Johnny, thank you for joining me. Absolute pleasure. No worries. Lovely to have you from uh, joining us from Leeds, I believe, today. That's right. Sunny Leeds. Sunny Leeds. Um, I wanted to start off by asking you both whether you were always destined for the cricket pitch. When you first started out, did you think this is this is the life for me? Not at all for me, I have to be honest. Um, I, I grew up South London, very inner city. Uh, cricket wasn't really played around where I sort of uh, grew up. It was all about football, football, football. Um, and it was a kind of a one-off opportunity, actually, that sort of started to change the course. Um, they were trying to send, like, talent scouts and more people into inner-city schools to so just try and get them engaged with cricket. And um, I wasn't interested. I was, you know, I didn't know anyone who played. I wasn't interested. But actually, one of my teachers really spent a bit of time convinced me, and that was it. Once I hit a ball, um, I was hooked. Luckily, I had three older brothers as well, so I was quite sporty and always running around. So, uh, yeah, if it wasn't for that one day that I tried cricket, I would have gone who knows where in lots of different paths. But, um, yeah, that one chance has completely changed my life. Wow, it's amazing to think of that, isn't it? And, and Johnny, you were quite sporty. You were successful in quite a few sports when you were younger, am I right? Yeah, I enjoyed my sport growing up. I was fortunate enough to play football at Leeds United with uh, a few of the guys for... Uh, about seven years and then um, played rugby at school uh, and hockey at uni but cricket was kind of the underlying sport it wasn't necessarily uh, the sport that um, I was destined to do I I enjoyed all different sports but it was definitely the sport that um, came to fruition um, probably later on in my in my teens and as I mentioned in the introduction, you've both had huge success in cricket. Obviously, Ebony, you've now retired. But I imagine people often mention the World Cup, the big wins most. But for you both, is that what you always go to when you think of those standout career highlights? Um, I think there's uh, a few different bits that you can potentially look at. I think individually you look at making your debut for uh, Yorkshire as a, a big highlight, getting your first team cap at Yorkshire. Uh, then making your debut 
for for England, whether that be in the T20 ODI or Test team. And then from there, you're, you're kind of working really hard to, to try and gain those team achievements, um, whether that be an Ashes, whether that be a World Cup. So I think there's there's many memorable bits that you look at. Yeah, from my perspective, um, yeah, I guess similar. You know, you can't ever forget your debut um, and like look a World Cup win and the party afterwards as well is something you never forget. Um, I think for yeah, me, though, I was yeah, well, yeah, maybe you forget it all if you party too hard. <laughs> um, but yeah, I would say for me, um, I actually there's a period that was really interesting before the World Cup. We were pretty average as a team, um, and I remember my first tour to India and we played a World Series against three other teams and we came bottom and we were really average but we just we turned around as a team over the period of 18 months and then went on to win the World Cup and I really enjoyed that um, that whole period it's really hard to break it down into a game but we went on this run of 18 wins and you know became this incredible team so I think I uh, you know, I learned more about me. I learned more about teams and environments in that than I maybe have in in many other experiences. So yeah, if, I would say as much as you know your individual games, um, sometimes you just get these golden patches that are really like amazing to be part of. Mm. And you mentioned a few challenges there. So what are the particular sort of challenges that you had to really overcome and stay focused and determined with? Yeah, well, I think first of all, I don't know about you, Johnny, but every every environment has to deal with injuries, left, right, and centre. Putting your body on the line, um, trying to manage not only your own um, sort of uh, injuries, but then your team as a whole. Um, so there's always that, and then, like you say, knowing your roles and responsibilities in a team. Um, you know, if you don't have that chemistry and understanding, uh, things can really go to pot. So I think for me, um, you know, I always had a back trouble for years that that plagued me and it was always hard work just to get on the field Um, and then trying to really just get clear on how you can help the team and what your role was was something that always required a bit of work Hmm. um i think the the challenges of um being selected uh then being dropped and the the delving from uh the depths of your own uh, ambitions uh, in order to get back to a level in which you would like to think you can perform at uh, how how that kind of changes your inner thoughts how you deal with that you, you I think you've got a choice and I think it also relates to business as well because you've got a choice of whether whether or not you're content in from a cricketing point of view content in playing county cricket or you want to go back and you want to show people that um, you want to get back to the international arena Ebony, you've obviously retired from cricket now. Um, many of you will obviously know you from your punditry. Um, you're also the first black player on the women's team and you do amazing work for the African-Caribbean Engagement Programme. So can you tell us a little bit more about that initiative? Definitely. Um, it's something quite fun to be part of, I guess. Um, you know, as you mentioned there about being the first black woman to play cricket for England, um, it's something I was very proud of uh, when I found out and, you know, realised how much it, it means in terms of history and potentially inspiring others. But also it's always plagued me that we don't see enough players from the black British community coming through. We looked at the stats um, and actually, I think it's dropped by 75% the participation of the community. Mm. Uh, no players really are making it through the system as such, very few to the elite game. So we knew there was a, a bit of a, a challenge going on. And actually, when we looked at other sports, rugby, football, athletics, um, you know, that diversity and representation existed. So what we decided to do at Surrey, where I'm based... Um, and sort of director on the board as well, um, was just to set up this initiative. And it's been fantastic 
um, the response we had, one from the media, the, the community. We've, we went through a process of identifying talent, trialed nearly 100 kids and have got wow. down to finding 26, which was really amazing and real high level talent, actually, which was surprising because half of the kids weren't involved in any traditional clubs at all, any cricket club. Um, but yet still there was a high desire to play um, and also a high level of talent. So, yeah, our whole programme at the moment is about building this academy, which is going to support uh, local black British talent that have the opportunity to get through. And, and as it stands at the moment, we're seeing some that have some real potential. So you never know in a few years time, maybe we will uh, change the sort of narrative that we've seen around sort of how many people can can progress in cricket, because I think it's sometimes seen as a little bit of closed doors for some of the BAME communities. Yeah, and obviously we're in the time of Corona. Um, how has this affected the initiative? Are you still able to sort of do things with this programme, with the students? Yeah, it's been really frustrating because we got to the point they got the full scholarship. They've had to do some online stuff. That's what a lot of our guys are doing at the moment. And they've been sent sort of challenges and uh, some videos and things like that. Um, the good news, uh, I don't know if people have heard, but recently they've just started to say that recreational cricket, um, certain kids can start to participate, only one-on-one at the moment. Mm-hmm. But I think this is a good sign, you know, potentially if things stay healthy and things progress, then in the next month or so we could look to, to getting something progressing in the right direction. So, you know, frustrating for everybody, yeah. for the world. Um, but yeah, I think within a, a small amount of time, uh, they'll be back and, and up with uh, some of the coaches. Yeah, fingers crossed. And um, Johnny, for you, are there any things you've missed or found difficult so far? Um, I think to be really honest with you, it's it's been quite a nice, refreshing break. For the last ten years or so, there's been quite a, a long period of time that I've spent away, away from home. Uh, this is without a doubt been the longest period of time that I've had at home uh, to enjoy at home. Um, so. Previously, from October to February, I had six, I think it was about six or eight nights at home in my own bed. The, the rest was on tour. So, and, and that's kind of, even when you get back to England and if you're playing in all formats, you're in hotel rooms, you're traveling from ground to ground. Uh, so I think it, it, it works out around about 310 to 20 nights a year that you're in a, uh, a hotel room. So actually being in one place at, uh, at any one given time has been... Uh, been pretty nice. Uh, I also think it gives you a chance to reflect and refresh and reset um, about things that you're able to look back on that you're happy with, things that you potentially have an opportunity to to change, and the way in which you're able to go about uh, changing the things uh, moving forward. Yeah, I, I I think a lot of people will feel like that's quite a nice reflective time. Ebony, is there anything you're missing or or, or really struggling with at the moment? Yeah, I think well, the first ten days, so I'd actually been in Australia at the Women's World Cup um, for a month, and that was sort of an incredible sort of buzzy experience. And I went to Fiji, and I arrived oh. back on the day of lockdown, pretty much just the day before. Um, into that hole you can't get food there's no toilet roll um, so it was quite a, a shock of an experience I think the first 10 days took a little while to adjust I have to be honest it was um, it, it was just a bit of a sort of come down at uncertainty but then afterwards I think a bit like Johnny said you know I spend so much of the of time on the road I don't work out regularly I often eat as not as well as I like um, and so I think I've found that sort of the adjustment after the first couple of weeks quite nice um, you know feeling a bit healthier connecting more with friends um, taking that opportunity to get out for your walks and your exercise has been really nice so 
um, you know, you know, it's such a tricky period. I know for a lot of people, you know, work and frustrations could come into play and sort of livelihoods. But I think it makes me realise how fortunate I am at the moment um, to be in a good position. So I'm definitely making the most of it. Yeah, yeah. And I suppose at the moment, Johnny, what, what cricket would you, what tour would you have been on? Where would you have been right now if it wasn't for lockdown? I'd have actually been in the IPL. So we'd have been over in the IPL playing over in India. I think it was from the... 22nd of March I think we were due to be over there yeah and I suppose as well for yourself you would have been playing every day so how do you keep your routine going how do you keep your fitness up at the moment oh well I've not picked up a bat at all we've uh, well yeah because we haven't been had access to a bowling machine or uh, anything like that due to coronavirus so from a training point of view I've been getting out running on the roads there's been times where I've just had to um hold it back a little bit but that's that's natural because you go from running probably shorter distances when you're playing uh to then getting a bit excited and thinking you're Mo Farah um so it's um it's been it's been tricky in in times because like for instance you used to have in a, a gym that you're able to access so you, your weights that you're able to access but currently I've got maybe two dumbbells and a couple of bands that, and there's only there's only so much you can do with them until you start getting a bit bored. So getting out on the roads with your fresh air, like we've been able to to do, and um, I've been out cycling a few times. So that's that's how I've been keeping myself active. I've also been out in the garden quite a bit, um, doing some manual labour, which has been good fun. Um, I'm not too sure the trees in the garden are too happy because they've definitely been hacked out with an axe. It's it's nice though. I think a lot of people are keeping fit by getting outside at the moment. Ebony, have you been gardening or cycling? Well, yeah, I'm in locked in a London flat, which is a, it's a it's a nice flat, but there's no garden like like a lot of inner London. So I've definitely had to get out. I've been doing loads of fitness. I think on the the flip side, I've got like a proper weights bench and bar. I've been fortunate enough. Um, lots of people are getting on this Peloton crave, uh, craze. So I've got one of those bikes and have been trying to compete against my mates um, and losing every single time. Um, so yeah, <laughs> in, in terms of fitness, yeah, it's been really good fun. I've like I was saying before, I maybe let it go a little bit during after playing. Um, you yeah. know you kind of lose the intensity but now actually it's really nice to get fit so yeah weights and and cycling about four times a week at the moment and then going out for our walks as well yeah how do you keep motivated as well both of you is it kind of setting a routine or maybe like you said Ebony competing against friends or teammates maybe Johnny we've had a couple of uh, bits sent through like a couple of competitions between the lads sent through so we had a three te- 3k time trial that we had to do was a pancakes making challenge that was sent through as well um so i think how did you go uh, i cooked some pancakes uh, a couple of weeks earlier on i've been doing a bit of a cooking thing with a couple of gordon ramsay's head chefs um in Bairstow's basics so i've been doing a couple of that with ben, ben orpwood and uh, chef jockey who's um some of the head uh, development chefs at the Gordon Ramsay group so that's been quite good fun so I'd actually made pancakes a couple of weeks before so I think uh, I was well yeah guilty um so yeah it was um it's been good fun there's been different aspects you've got to find different ways in which you can entertain yourself and maintain the competitive streak without going I think too far Ebony mentioned Peloton but um I think that that's one way of doing it if there isn't uh, the opportunity for one way or another to 
uh, to have a pellet on, then you've got to find it in, in different ways. So we've been doing Zoom calls with some friends from uh, school a couple of times a week and we've been doing our own uh, Tabata style fitness on a morning. So it'll just be 20, 25 minutes and they've been doing that with they've been doing that with their um, partners, girlfriends, wives, etc. So teamwork that you've got with your your friends, and even though you can't go sit with them or have dinner with them, still socialising in that way has been important. Yeah, that's a really nice tip. Um, I, and there'll be lots of big cricket fans out there who are desperate to play a game again. Are there any ways you can train or can practice at home, socially distanced? Well, I, I think. It's obviously tricky uh, because generally there's a couple of people that you need someone to bowl, someone to bat. You've got to be in the same household if you're going to do that currently at the moment because you don't want to be passing any any germs or touching any things with the ball. Um, but there are a few bits that you can do uh, with a piece of string and a and a sock uh, with a with a ball in it, so you can tie that to say. A tree outside or you can tie that to a makeshift door frame or if you put a nail in a door frame you can hang it from there um, and and just do a few bits with that you're able to do uh, catching drills if you've got a, a a bit of stone wall or paving or whatever on the outside of the house with a potentially a golf ball um, utilizing your hand eye with a golf ball or a tennis ball uh, so there are there are bits that you are able to do um, but uh, I can imagine there's a lot of uh, parents that if you were throwing a golf ball against a wall for a good hour or two might drive them a bit insane. So I'm not I'm not condoning that kind of behaviour uh, without a parent's permission, shall we say. Yeah, good tip there. Um, Ebony, have you got any to add to that that you might suggest? Well, I'm not sure if I add to it because you kind of mentioned it earlier, Johnny, but I used to, that's one thing I did as a kid, like the washing line with a string and then a cricket ball in the sock. And you just sit there for hours hitting it over and over again. And again, it'll wind the parents up. It'll wind the neighbours up just hearing this (laughs) tap, tap, tap. But it does actually work. And I would also say, like, take off your bottom hand and just do your top hand. Um, is one way of sort of drilling and, and keeping shape. So, um, yeah, anyone who has got a bit of space outdoors, get the, the string, the sock and a cricket ball and you're good to go. Boom. And then if and you it... really want to annoy the neighbours, try and whack it as hard as you can. It might come off and go into the next <laughs> garden. <laughs> I thought someone was going to suggest that. Um, now, it must be harder to stay in shape whilst you're at home, Johnny, but when the season begins again, what's next cricket-wise? How are you going to prepare? We don't necessarily know exactly um is that when... quite difficult do you need a bit of a run-up or to, um, to know yeah, when so you the bowlers, start the bowlers do need a bit of a run-up um <laughs> because of their workloads etc uh mm. there's we're kind of dependent upon the government guidance currently um with everything that's going on maintaining social distancing etc um when that gets signed off from government the the guys will start to do some individual training uh, for a couple of weeks, building into potentially some small group training, which then shall lead into um, hopefully uh, a group environment. And what are you kind of hoping will be the sort of the first matches and things that might start back up again? To be honest with you, we we don't necessarily know. Internationally, you've obviously got teams that are going to have to come from overseas, so the logistical side of that will naturally have something to do with 
A, who is willing to come over, B, how they get over. So there's obviously log logistical things from that. And then you've got county cricket. If county cricket's going to go ahead, what county cricket is played, the, the scheduling of that. There's, there's a lot of questions still uh, to be asked. Uh, your main career goals, Johnny, uh, is there anything that you'd still like to achieve that's on your sort of hit list for you? Yes, without a doubt. Hopefully later on this year there's the T20 World Cup. So uh, I'd like to, I'd like to firstly... Uh, be in the squad for that but then um, secondly try and go on to win that um, I'd, in four years time after the World Cup this year I want to be in the uh, in the side for uh, that to try and retain retain the World Cup and then yeah I want to try and get back into the uh, test test side and play 100 test matches for England so uh, and more. still plenty so to do then basically <laughs> well yeah but I think I've been watching that Michael Jordan documentary. I don't know whether you have as well, but you see the yes. you see the want and the strive in order to keep keep pushing, keep succeeding. And I found it very interesting about how he then decided after his father's death that that was that, and he needed a, a break from everything. And he went and played um, obviously baseball and got away from got away from things and had a, a refresh, a reset, and. And you can you can really understand how that came about because of the pressures that he was he was under, um, how physically and mentally draining training at the intensity that he did every single day, day in day out the um, the pressures that were on him to perform week in week out, day in day out, and and you could kind of well I could empathise and see how that uh, that came about, but it's amazing to look back on a great like Michael Jordan and know that he wasn't not human does that make sense yeah he still struggled as well ebony thinking about your sort of career goals is, is any of that sort of um stuff that johnny just mentioned do, do you recognize any of that yeah definitely i mean my career was quite choppy um soft start always struggled to get selected then you get a short run in the team and in and out um, and so, yeah, uh, you know, I had a lot of milestones that I liked, I wanted to hit, but also my body um, got to a point of saying no. So, um, you know, I think with a lot of sports people, it's it's very rare, many, you know, many sports people to get to end the career on their terms. I think you either ended through the body or you ended through deselection or whatever it is. So, mm. yeah, from that perspective, um, you know, I feel in some ways so lucky to have, you know, been part of a really successful team. Um, a couple of personal milestones were hit, but I still look back on my career and think I would have loved so much more. I think that's just the the nature of being a sports person. Um, but I really enjoyed that. And I think now with uh, moving into career, my, my goals mm. outside of cricket are a little bit wider. It's about sort of opening up the game, whether that's for women, whether it's for BAME groups, um, sort of socially deprived as well and, and financially a disadvantage so I think it, it you know taking my experiences um throughout sort of my wider life and trying to hopefully help cricket to, to widen through a lot of the different areas that I work in yeah and what sort of lessons do you think you've learned in cricket like you talk about highs and lows there what sort of things do you think you've learned from those experiences Ebony yeah, I think I've I've learned so much from cricket. Um, I would definitely say the unique thing about cricket is, even though it's a team game, we talk about, and I've learned a lot about teamwork. How individually accountable you are to that journey. So, mm. you know, you can't hide as a cricketer your stats if you go out and score no runs, um, which often happens. You go out, you might snick off on the first ball. Um, you know, it it was seen. It was very obvious. So you knew you had to do your part. 
but equally everything you did always benefited your team and I think as, as I've got older you know I can handle pressure when I go into the mm. work world I know that you know I don't mind being held accountable or seeing if your part you know is 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 quite visible on how much you're putting in um, but also always having that teamwork context so I think being able to handle pressure has been massive um, and I've yeah. le- learned a lot about different people and how that how they work together yeah Johnny what would you say about your lessons and from cricket and your highs and lows like Ebony said there's uh, there's more bad days than good days so I was always wanting to be like better than I was so the acceptance of it wasn't necessarily there when I was younger but I think now understanding yourself a bit more like anything you get older you get a bit wiser you, you've experienced a bit more within your uh, given careers and uh, then you can take from it now what what you want the, there's different areas in which you'll be a lot better at now than you were then so so yeah yeah older and wiser <laughs> Well, hopefully not It's a cliche, but it's true. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sorry. Um, <laughs> Ebony, in the past as well, you, you've just been talking about how you want to um, get women's cricket more recognition and build more household names. How do you think that is progressing at the moment? Yeah, it's a really interesting one because I think um, this current scenario may impact it. I think what we saw over the last sort of five years has been a revolution for women's sport in general. Uh, women's cricket went through the roof mm. after winning 2017 World Cup at home and yeah. having a packed out Lords and those images being blasted everywhere front of the newspapers. I think we saw a real uh, momentum shift, which has inspired more girls to get into the game. And then, you know, I just came back, I was mentioning a little while ago from Australia, where there was 86,000 that turned up to the MCG. I mean, that's an incredible number, nearly 90,000 people to watch a women's World T20 final. So I think the visibility has been incredible. There is now a little bit of a fear um, that, you know, with coronavirus and sports being put on hold and, um, you know, there's a concern that women's sport might be considered lower down the pecking order to to get back to uh, playing. So one thing I do think, and even more so than ever, is maintaining that visibility. Uh, Because I think visibility drives everything. It drives broadcast interest. It drives every little kid that gets a chance to see their role models and heroes wanting to play. Um, it's just so inspirational. So I think visibility is just vital um, to, to changing things. And then obviously opportunities. So, um, the, you know, whether it's a grassroots opportunity for a young girl to play at a local cricket club or a street cricket centre uh, through to, you know, contracts um, to play professionally, whatever it is, I think those two things have really just got to continue to drive even more so now in the in the current landscape. Yeah, so, I mean, you must have seen lots of differences and gaps between women's and kids' cricket. So would you say visibility is the big one? Would you say people need to get watching women's cricket more? Yeah, I think visibility is it. And and what's good now is the standard of the game is so high that... You know, if if we look back maybe 20, 30 years, maybe there could have been, um, you know, criticism that the standard wasn't there. But th- these players now are real athletes and they're real joy to watch. Um, and so that, that visibility for me is the number one piece because it drives conversation. It drives, you know, government agendas or, um, you know, groups that are out there lobbying. It drives parents' interest who are also such a big vital part in inspiring young players. So I think as long as visibility is high, the rest for me tends to fall in place. It's it's on everybody's agenda. And that and that relates again to kids as well. You know, it's a shame that the, the 100, for example, this year, that the tournament was... 
uh, due to take place and try and inspire you know lots more kids from diverse backgrounds to get in, yeah. in, into the game it might not happen well it's not going to happen it's been confirmed it's delayed till next year mm. um, but again visibility is everything whether it's cricket on um, free to wear for more access I think visibility is the way forward to to bringing more people into the game yeah um uh, now I've I haven't played cricket since I was at school I very much enjoy watching it but I wondered you're both top sports people what's your favorite part of the game of cricket Johnny, what's your favourite bit? Don't say tea. Uh, what's your favourite part of playing? I reckon your favourite part of watching it is sat, sat on the boundary line having a picnic and a glass of wine. That's what oh you're enjoying, Oh, my God, you saw it, me. It? Come on. You saw me. I oh. knew it. That's, that's every person's best part of going to the cricket and watching the cricket, whether that be... <laughs> whether that be playing for a club side or whether that be watching it uh, in a stadium. Favourite part of the game is winning. Like you, whether it be a test match, you work really hard for potentially five days uh, you put a lot of effort in and test matches are very hard to win as it is so being able to spend that time with your uh, teammates and backroom staff after putting in a, a shift that for me is uh, a very special part of it amazing ebony what about you what's your favorite part of the game yeah i'll keep it very simple i've realized that i just like whacking things whether it's a cricket <laughs> ball whether it's a golf ball i play the drums so i like to hit the drums hard so um it's very simple because you, you know there's so many parts to cricket isn't it there, you know there's different rules, different formats and all that sort of stuff. But I, I think it does come down to giving something a good old whack. And, and actually, when I think about being a kid and the first time I got hooked on cricket, it was just whacking the ball out of the cage. It was so much fun. So I also often say that to kids, like it's primal. We like hitting things. Um, so for me, <laughs> keeping it simple, that's what I love about cricket. I think that's yeah, but so you true. said earlier about keeping your your top hand and working on your technique and everything <laughs> like that. And now you're saying to everyone, just whack it as far as you can. I know you got to tell the kids to do what you, I don't do, and then I'm going to give it a good old slog across. I actually went so that you can uh, now hit a ball in um, in the nets. It's been sort of allowed. So I played with a friend That's of it. mine yesterday and every single ball I was whacking completely across the line lost all my shape so uh, kids don't do what I do uh, use that top hand <laughs> so it's you've obviously enjoyed like getting outside and moving but I think back to the current situation as you've mentioned normal life was taken away from us quite quickly I think a lot of people are getting into the old TV subscriptions and podcasts like this Johnny you've mentioned a show you've enjoyed Ebony anything that you are loving on the old uh, streaming or uh, moving picture box at the moment yeah, I have to be honest, I have a bit of an admission to make. I've discovered reality TV, so I always <gasps> used to be a bit highbrow and thought I was above <laughs> shocking TV, but I've discovered uh, Too Hot to Handle, Love yes. is Blind. I'm currently on Celebrity X on the Beach. Um, I never used to allow myself to go down that path, um, but I have actually found a new love for reality TV. It's, it's Come on quite... then, Ebony, who, do, who was your favourite on Too Hot to Handle? <laughs> Johnny's also watching it. <laughs> Clearly. How far are Come you on, into it, Johnny? I've, I've finished it. Spill the goss. <laughs> Spill the goss. Um, who's your favourite? Uh, who, who, who would I pick? Who's mine? Well, the yeah. Aussie guy was quite cool, but the, um, I can't remember, the lady that Rhonda got with. Um, oh, yeah. What was his name? He was, no, he was very hot to handle. <laughs> Giving all your secrets away now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to have to go and catch up on this series. Yeah, um, get on it. What are you guys listening to at the moment? Have you got any podcasts as well that you listen to or music when you're out and about training? To be really honest with you, when I'm running, I don't... I'm just, just all a blur in the background. It's not like I'm really taking interest in 
um, what's going mm. on. It, I think that for me, it's more of a rhythm thing. If I've got uh, something on, then I can almost run to that rhythm. Mm. So it could literally be anything. I've I've tried running to podcasts, but I don't really take anything in. <laughs> you have um, to listen to them again. <laughs> yeah. Uh, there's a couple of um, books that I'm starting to... Well, I've started to read. Um, one's called The Monk Who Sold His Ferrari. <laughs> I've heard about okay. that. Is that any good? Yeah, it's, uh, yeah, it's pretty good. Um, there's another one called... I think it's... Excuse my pronunciation. Ikagai, which is about how the oh, Japanese... Oh, I've read that. Ikigai, yeah. Yeah. Um, about uh, living a long and healthy life. Oh. And then there's another one I've got. I've not not read it. It's called, uh, is it How to Change a Habit? Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm in the process of trying to read a bit more. It's not necessarily been something that comes naturally yeah. to me because I'm a bit more of an active kind of go out and do things in the garden or I'm not, I'm not necessarily very good at just sitting, sitting in still. one place and, <laughs> yeah. and just reading. But yeah, yeah, it's something that I've been trying to do. That's some great recommendations. Ebony, have you got any more? Is it just reality telly at your house? No, I do, I do have a, <laughs> an obsession with, um, I guess you call it self-help books. But yeah, I've been getting through a few. Uh, there's a really good one. I don't. I haven't been doing any podcasts at the moment, but I do audio books all the time. Mm. Um, Essentialism uh, by a guy called Greg McCown, which is all about sort of simplifying and really getting clear um, on what's important. I think this time kind of sums that up. I was reading a book by um, David Goggins, who's a Navy SEAL called Can't Hurt Me. And I have to be honest, he talks about how hard he pushes himself. I'm not at those levels anymore. Um, <laughs> but it is still inspiring just to sort of hear his discipline um, and structure. And then I think another one you mentioned about habits, um, but there's a really good book called Atomic Habits by James Clear, which is, you know, just about how to structure your environment and your life to be more productive. And I have trialed a lot of the stuff actually he said, and it's helped. So, um, yeah, I've been d- digging into some good old books as well during lockdown. That's nice. Everyone's going to have those in their online shopping basket now once they finish listening <laughs> to this. Um, I mean, we talked about having time to reflect earlier. Um, do you think you've learned anything about yourself during this time? plenty of things but I'm not going to expand on those I'm not very good at tidying up that's one thing um, no I'm joking um, my husband left the lid off the jam jar earlier and I was like excuse me what is this standards are slipping in this household what is this I've learned I'm very good at cooking breakfast oh really <laughs> yeah that's breakfast, your I've, I think I've nailed my breakfasts um, maybe open up a brunch spot when this is all over potentially yeah and then just yeah. close at one o'clock Coffee and brunch, (laughs) be there or miss your breakfast, basically. Um, (laughs) I think that things that you've learned, I think that, and I think that it may apply to a lot of people, is that you're able to cope through circumstances that are unknown. Hmm. Um, Because given the situation that was thrown upon us very, very swiftly, people have had to adapt, and the Hmm. adaptation that people have shown... Um, has enabled people to learn a lot about themselves. So whether that be people from working from home, people adapting the way that they work, so whether that be using meetings online, uh, whether that be uh, diversifying into a different business area in order to keep their businesses afloat. I mean, we, we look at your big organisations like your Dysons that have gone into manufacturing different PPE and mm. ventilators yeah, all the way down to a friend's company who were in fabrics that are now uh, making overalls for, for the, uh, and PPE for our doctors and nurses to wear. So wow. the, the full spectrum 
uh, and that and also going to local suppliers people have found local suppliers again so your mm. milkmen so your vegetables your local vegetables that are flourishing again yeah. um, and those guys that, and people understanding that they may have just gone to Sainsbury's and not knowing about these local suppliers that they've got just down the road yeah. actually investing in the people that are around you and yeah. understanding that there are other opportunities out there if you're willing to explore them. Yeah, it's like an appreciation of small businesses again, isn't it? Um, yeah. Um, Emily, anything you've learnt about yourself during this time? Other than you like whacking things hard, but I think you probably knew that. Yeah, maybe. I think opposite to Johnny, I've realised I am not a natural cook. I, I, I eat out <laughs> so often, I'm out all the time, and now I'm left to, uh, you know rustling up some good options I think I've realized I've rotate the same three meals for about 20 odd years um so yeah I've learned I'm not the greatest of cooks and then on the other side I think um the one thing that's I'll take away from this is actually making more time for reflection generally in life I think I'm mm. often so go go with broadcasting work social life friends family uh, that you don't take that time to stop and really reflect on what's working and what's not and so I suppose we've all been forced into that to an extent um, through coronavirus and the current uh, band- pandemic, but also, you know, I've spoken to a lot of people similar to me who have said it's given a real time to just look at what is important and areas you want to focus on more. And, and so that's um, definitely something I've taken away as yeah. well. Yeah, I completely agree with that one. Now, normally at this point of the podcast, I would ask for three top tips from our financial experts. Um, but obviously on this bonus episode, I thought I'd ask the three things you're both looking forward to once all of this is over after lockdown. What are you really looking forward to getting back to? I'm going to jump in. Number one is dancing. Um, I love <laughs> dancing. Uh, I wouldn't say I do it a huge amount, but you realise how much you want to go out and dance. And I, I don't know if we will really for a long time. So that's number mm. one on my list. Live what kind music. Of Oh, like hardcore R and B or hip hop music, um, <laughs> and just letting it all hang out really on the dance raving. floor. Yeah, proper raving. Um, live music I'm big into my music there's a lady called Jill Scott who's an amazing neo-soul artist from America I'd got tickets to her 20th album concert coming up and again that's going to be delayed Mm. Um, so yeah I can't wait for some live music whether it's a jazz cafe or somewhere and then finally a holiday I don't mind if it's here or abroad it could be the Lake District might even travel up north who knows but um, I'm looking forward to a good old holiday oh yeah make that's sure a you good pack one. your oxygen if you're coming up north <laughs> yeah and uh gps system i don't know how to find my way up uh, north but i'll get there <laughs> tissues for a nosebleed <laughs> johnny what about you what are the three things you're looking forward to doing after lockdown um i'm looking forward to having a barbecue with all my pals mm. um i think that's that's one of the big things um, because uh, un- staying together throughout this uh, massive thing has been important and just being able to chew the fat stood next to each other ra- rather mm. than uh, on, a, on a Zoom call or, or what- yeah, whatever so it may be. There's, mm. there's also people that have got um, babies that are imminent, so um, trying to support them through these, through these times uh, and celebrate with them as well. I think that's that's uh, that's definitely one for me. Um, yeah. I'm looking forward to getting back to back to cricket. Yes, um, that's definitely something. And having that routine and going about it. Thirdly, being able to go and see my grandma properly. Yeah, it's uh, really I'm, hard, isn't the, it? There'll be people that have been widely affected by this, especially elderly people. 
Mm. Um, so being able to go and see, being able to go and see my grandma and actually see her and spend a bit of time with her in a in a house at some point. Yeah. And finally, we do always ask our guests uh, what piece of advice they'd give to their 18-year-old self. So cast your mind back, guys. Not that far, obviously. Uh, Everybody, any advice for your 18-year-old self? Yeah, I mean, this is going to sound so basic and simple, but I think I would tell my 18-year-old self to have as much fun as possible. (laughs) I think life got really serious when you start worrying about sort of, well, I went to university, so thinking about trying to get into university exams and trying Mm. to make it as an England cricketer and all that sort of stuff. And now I've hit my, well, I'm hitting the three zeros now in the 30s. Well, actually, I'm near the 40s, but that's another story. Um, I realised that, you know, you can spend a lot of time not having a laugh. So um, have some fun, have as much fun as possible and the rest kind of works itself out. That's a good one. Johnny, what about you, your 18-year-old self? Any advice? Um, Embrace the journey, relish the journey and um, enjoy the journey. I think they're they're the three things because it goes it goes so quick and there's going to be ups and downs along the way but actually embracing the fact that there's going to be ups and downs um relishing the fact that we're very fortunate to do what we do um at the same time understanding that that we're very fortunate to do and then just enjoying the journey that you're going on um because you don't know when it you don't know when it could end you don't know when it's going to end uh, it could be through injury, it could be through illness, it could be purely through an opinion. Um, so, yeah, that's that's what I'd say. Yeah, that's a nice. Like Ebony said, you, sportsmen don't tend to end their careers when they want. But I think like going going with the ups and downs, I think that's a lovely note to end on. So, um, guys, thank you so much. Ebony Rainford-Brent and Johnny Bairstow, thank you for joining me on The Penny Drops. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Penny Drops. We hope you learned something new and useful to help you with your finances. We'd love to hear what you think of the series, so please do leave us a review. Or if you have any comments or money questions you'd like us to cover, you can get in touch at thepennydrops at royallondon.com. This podcast series is brought to you by Royal London, the UK's largest mutual life pensions and investment company. Royal London, determination since 1861. Royal London recommends you seek professional independent financial advice before making financial decisions. All views and opinions expressed are those of the guest and not of Royal London. Royal London.